Um, if you want to join me in your Bibles, uh, your bulletin are up on the screen. I'm going to do this morning's scripture reading, which is Luke chapter 9, 23 to 26, uh, verses 57 to 62, and then Luke 24, 44 to 49. Starting in Luke 9, 23. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Verse 57. And they were going along the road and someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. In 24, verse 44. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Please pray with me. God, we love you this morning. And Jesus, we thank you for those words. Holy Spirit, we invite you in and ask that you would do a work in our hearts to turn our focus onto you this morning, to understand your gospel, the good news, and the power that you've made available to us, that we could live our lives with freedom and richness, that comes from just focusing on you and not ourselves. And I pray that you'd make your truths just powerfully apparent to us this morning. Be with Brian as he speaks and bless this uh, time of gathering. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. I think it was on uh, Wednesday or Thursday that I met with Joel and he said, um, hey, there's this really cool Bible app. And I already forgot the name of it. Joel, what was the name of it again? Thank you. Read scripture. Read scripture, thank you. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And then, um, you know, like most things, or not, oh, well, far too often people say things, and you're like, oh, cool, yeah, and then you forget about it. Well, then, I think it was the next day, someone else told me about it. I was like, Joel just told me about this yesterday. <laughs> All right, I'll look at it. So this is my second time, now, or the second announcement about the Bible app, so hopefully prodding you to check it out. I did check it out after I heard someone else say check it out, and it is, it is just worth it. Um, it. It's kind of like, I can tell you this as a secret, it's like going to seminary for free. Like a lot of that stuff is just what you learn in seminary. And so, um, again, and I think one of the things that caught my attention that's really important is the purpose is not for you to grow in your intellectual understanding of the Bible alone. It's to feed your soul. It's to, to understand who God is. And so... I would say it's just 
it's one tool that's absolutely crucial and valuable. So that's the second reminder of that one Bible app. This morning, I want to focus our attention on two words of Jesus and then think about the implications of that. And the two words are, follow me. And as we think through those familiar words and how it will shape our lives and, and how we do church, uh, we, we want to think very carefully about those words. And if you notice on your bulletin on the back in, in very small blue letters, it says the Malibu Gathering exists to share the renewing grace of the gospel by living in Christ with community for others. And what I want to talk about this morning are three implications in our lives, three things that will show up in our lives if we make a commitment to follow Christ. If that is a commitment you've made, then, then three things will be a part of your life. You will want to live in Christ. We'll explain that, what that means. You'll want to do it with community. And there will be a purpose in your life that it will be for others. That it's just not... Um, for our own good, our own emotional well-being. But there is a mission and purpose to love and reach others with the gospel of, of Christ. One of the challenges that we face is that we, we have beliefs, and we can say this, we, we have beliefs, especially if you've been um, around church or Christian schools or those kinds of things, we have beliefs about Christ. And maybe we say we can hold those in our right hand, but we also hold other beliefs. We hold, we hold cultural beliefs in our left hand. And as we think about what is it that truly shapes our life, what is it that really gives a form and shape to your life? And what happens is we, we live in a culture, and culture does not ask for permission to shape your life. It just speaks to us. And... Um, one of the things we want to do is we want to think about what is the, the, the message of the culture that we live in and what is it that is trying to pull on our lives in the same way that we hold follow me as important. So the gospel is good news that Jesus Christ has come to give us life. And Jesus says, follow me. And the world has a different message. And I thought... I came across this as a week or so ago, and it was on some form of social media, and I thought, you know what, that's kind of as simple and as clear as, as we can get to help us understand the culture that we live in, all right? So I'll, I'll post the, I'll, we'll put on the screen the whole thing, but we're going to pay attention to two bold words. So two words from Jesus, follow me, and two words from somebody else who will remain anonymous that I believe represents the culture we live in. So I think we have this. So this, just some person wrote this. Not trying to criticize anybody, just trying to make an observation. So this person wrote, I love people. And they clarify it. Or they put conditions on it. Uh, good people. Uh, re who determines what's good, right? Uh, I don't care what color, religion, preference in politics, where you live, what you eat, or what you drive. I don't want to make anyone be wrong. Be you. All right, so we live in a culture that we would say this, that the dominant message is be you. Whatever you want to be, you just be true to yourself. We hear this nonstop in so many different ways. It's overwhelming. 
And to think a little bit about what that means, well, one thing that it means often is the idea that you need to find out what are your true desires in your life and pursue them. Be you. Just whatever desires you have in your heart, be you and pursue those things. And to think carefully, though, about this and, and how this leads to a broken life or, or, or often hurt and pain is that when you say be you, we are also looking for people to affirm that. All right? So I'll give you an example of something that just totally backfired on me as far as um, a silly example as far as being me. This was, a, this was years ago, and I... I just probably have endless stories of my DC trips with eighth graders, right? If you just be with eighth graders, you just, you're going to have crazy stories. You just can't help it. So one year we were, um, the kids were just melting down for some reason. The class dynamics, everyone was getting grumpy and they were fighting and bickering and, you know, 38 kids or whatever. And so we were, uh, we had lunch in a mall in DC and we we're walking around and I thought, you know, what, what can I do just to like lighten the mood a little bit and just like have fun with the kids? Like, let's just, a, just breathe and have fun together. So in the mall is a, I don't even know what it was. It was some kind of store that had costumes and things. And it, what caught my eye was they had all of these famous rock star wigs. I'm like, oh, look at those wigs. Those are awesome. So I bought a wig, rock star wig, all right? And I had shaved my head at this time. So it fit perfectly in my head. And I, th I was going to walk around with the kids with my rock star hair, this big old full head of hair. Thought I was going to be funny. The problem was they didn't even recognize me. I was like <laughs> with them, and there were, people were ignoring me. All my kids, um, a teacher friend of mine, I'm like standing like three feet away from her, just like looking at things, just ignoring me. Didn't even know who I was. Now here's the point. Let's just say for pretend that deep in my heart, I had this desire for beautiful hair. <laughs> That's just really what I wanted. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to buy myself a wig. I'm going to show up next Sunday. I'm going to put this bad boy on, and I'm going to come up here. And what would you all do? You would all start laughing at me. And I'd be crushed inside because my deepest desires are to have beautiful hair, and I want you all to affirm me and my hair, and my desires. Now, I'm saying something that's kind of silly and ridiculous, but this is what crushes people. If you have these deep desires to be you, and other people don't affirm that, it's crushing. And so we need to think really carefully about our life and the, the world that we live in, and the message, the dominant message is this. You just be you. doesn't matter what those desires are, and here's the other thing that's crazy, <clears throat> is those desires change, right? Desires, deep desires change. I, I remember, um, I didn't ask Karen if I could say this, but I think it's probably okay, but I, when, we were, uh, when we were dating, I don't know how long into the relationship, three months, four months, I don't know, she doesn't remember either, I'm looking back there for help. But we had this conversation, and I think she called like the ball and chain conversation, where we were dating and things were going great, but I was like, then now starting to get some cold feet. And like, I don't know, like, this is like getting too serious. I'm not sure about this. Maybe I want to like back out of this a little bit, right? Maybe that's a little bit of a normal guy thing. But here's my point. For the first three months, 
My desires were all in. Like, this is great. I love this. And it's going really good. And now that means when things are going good, that means like, well, at least when you're in your mid-20s like we were, that means maybe things, you can, go, you can get married. And I'm like, whoa. Maybe my desires are going to change. And so like for a little while, those desires changed. But thankfully, they came back to a good place and we got married, obviously. But I, what, my point is this. If the world is just always saying, be you, be you, be you, those desires change. Those desires require other people to affirm. And if they don't, it's, it hurts. And so Jesus gives um, another way for us to live. <clears throat> and I believe that, that what we are about here at our church is that we are learning to live in Christ. And what does that exactly mean? All right, so let me just show you briefly. And um, this morning is, is intended to be a little bit more like big picture, understanding of who we are as a church and what we are striving after. And so number one, what we are striving after is that we are learning what it means to live um, in Christ. I came across a quote, too, just as, we, as we're thinking through this, this idea of, of um, being ourselves and, and living our lives. So if, if in, in one hand we have be, just be me, and the other hand is follow Christ, what is actually shaping our lives? And um, Soren Kierkegaard, uh, Danish philosopher, theologian, came, uh, let me just share this quote with you that, that stuck with me as far as thinking through um, this. And he wrote, um, in fact, what is called the secular mentality consists simply of such men, this is written in the 1800s, com- consists simply of such men, um, so to speak, mortgage themselves to the world. Just be you. You mortgage yourself to the world. They use their capacities, uh, amass money, carry on enterprises, perhaps to make a name in history, but uh, themselves they are not. Spiritually, they are not spiritually speaking. They have no self. No self for whose sake they could venture everything. No self before God, however self-seeking they are otherwise. And, and what he's saying there is that if you build your life an identity on anything other than God, it makes you vulnerable. Your life is fragile. Um, Tim Keller, in response to this quote, says this, and I found this a little bit easier to understand than the Danish philosopher. The modern self is crushing. It must base itself on success or achievement or some human love relationship. And if any of these things are jeopardized or lost, you lose your very identity. That is the danger of building your identity on be me, be yourself. And what Jesus says in Luke chapter 9 is he says some meaningful things that help us to understand what does it mean to live in Christ. And I'll just be, I'm going to be brief on these passages, but beginning in chapter 9, verse 57 on your bulletin, it says this, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, and these are three different people say to him, I want to follow you. I want to follow you. But then Jesus, 
explains a little bit about what that means. And then this other hand, this other, this other message of the culture that they live in begins to outweigh what Jesus says when it means to follow him. So the first person says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus says to him, you just don't understand. He says the, the foxes have holes, and this is a familiar verse, birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus is saying, I'm not sure if you fully understand what it means to follow me. It doesn't, it doesn't mean you're going to gain position or power in the world. It means something else. Another man says, um, I'll follow you, um, verse 59. To another, he said, follow me. But then he says, let me first go and do this, um, verse 61. Yet another says, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first. And, and here's my point. As we learn to live in Christ, it means that Jesus Christ will set new priorities for your life. That Jesus Christ will set new priorities in your life. When you learn to live in Christ, Jesus Christ will reorganize the priorities of your life. And what these three people show us is that many people say, but let me do this, but this first. And, and, and what it's saying is this, and this is, how, this is what happens in life. We say with our one hand, I want to follow Christ. But on the other hand, it says, but I want to do these other things too. And Jesus is saying, if you want a true relationship with me, I must be your first and true priority. So that's number one. Number two is that Jesus will shape your identity. This is what it means to live in Christ. A new priority, number two, that Jesus will shape your identity. Verse 23 says this, And he said to them, and he, says, and he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself. Those are meaningful words that have the power to shape your identity, your view of yourself. And Jesus is saying this, and this is the, the broader view of the Bible, that your identity and your worth come from understanding that you are made in the image of God. That every human being has infinite worth and value. Every human being has infinite worth and value. And you can begin to build your identity on that. There is a, uh, just a, a great verse, Isaiah 59. And I think, we, I think we have that. Do we have that, Russ? I gave that to you. And it's a, it's a picture. Um, it's, it's a picture that we can relate to, especially if you've had a family. And it's a picture of a nursing mom. And it says, can a mother forget her nursing child? Can she feel no love for the child she has born? So Isaiah is saying this, that the maybe the best picture of human closeness, of human intimacy, is a mother feeding her newborn baby. And God is saying, but even if that were possible, which it's not, never, I will not forget you. That... that that the love that God has for us is stronger and more powerful and more enduring than a mother has feeding her newborn baby. 
And that is what you can build your life on. That's what you can build an identity on. Jesus is teaching us here, and he gives us three things, three verbs that help us understand this. And he says, number one, that we are to deny ourselves. Number two, to take up a cross. And number three is follow me. And so living in Christ shapes our identity as we follow him because, number one, we know that we are all made in his image. But number two, if you are a follower of Christ, you are also adopted into God's family. That's what Galatians 3 is all about, learning what it means to be a part of God's family, that that is who you are, that you are safe and secure, safer and more secure than a newborn baby in a mother's arms. And so we have to look for something to build an identity. And Jesus is saying here there is a better way. I was reading this week um, about this and, and thinking through um, what does it mean to find your identity in Christ. And one thing that one author I read this week said this. He says, finding your identity in Christ does not destroy the other parts of your life, it just demotes the other parts of your life. And here's what he means. We all have lives. We all have stories. We all have backgrounds and careers. And some of us are single and married. And some of us have lost people that we love. And some of us have been hurt and abused in, in just meaningful and hurtful ways. We all have these stories. And what this author said is this is the gospel does not eliminate those. It does not destroy those. You can never um, eliminate the things of your past. But what the gospel does is it demotes those things without destroying and brings Jesus Christ to the top. So learning to find your true identity in Christ, it doesn't mean that now you're a Christian, that your past doesn't exist. We all have a past. And the past affects who we are today. But finding your identity in Christ lowers those and lifts up Christ higher. So, number one, following Christ. Two words, following Christ. Number one, it, it means that you learn to live your life in Christ. Number two, and I'll be more quickly with this, number two is you do that with community, that you do that with each other, that we share our lives with one another. It means more than three or four minutes that we do every Sunday morning and we say hello and everyone gets coffee and, and chats again for a few moments. It means more than that. When we read this chapter 9 of the Gospel of Luke and we read all throughout Luke, Jesus is always referring to the disciples. In Acts chapter 1, it's the 11 disciples plus about 120 other people. Everything is community-driven. And so this call to follow Christ is always done in community. Jesus says this in John chapter 13, a very familiar verse. He says that people will know that you are my true disciples by how you love one another. And so the question is for our church, how, how are we doing in knowing and loving one another. And what will happen as you grow in your love for one another, you'll find out things. 
And here's what is universally true for everyone here, that there are parts of our lives that are broken. There are parts of our lives that are hurting. There are parts of our lives that we're a little bit embarrassed about. There's parts of our lives that, that maybe we wish didn't exist. And Jesus forms a new community that says, I love you anyways. I love you despite the mistakes you've made. That this is a safe place. That this is what it means to do church. That we know each other and we love each other. And that we learn to forgive each other. And that we recognize we will all make the mistakes. There's two, two ways that as we read the Bible, we understand how this happens. Number one is through the use of spiritual gifts. It is crystal clear, and you'll, you'll see this as you read the Gospels in the New Testament, specifically the, the Gospels, and even specifically 1 Corinthians and Ephesians, where the apostles make this a priority. The use of spiritual gifts. Are you using your spiritual gift to encourage other people? And if you're unsure about such things, then find somebody who's been... Um, that has some time in, in their life of following Christ and, <clears throat> and find that out. The only way a church can be a church and to live and be healthy <clears throat> is if we are all using our spiritual gifts to serve one another. Not for self-promotion, not for self-advancement, but for the encouragement of others. And again, as I mentioned earlier, the call to follow Christ will always create community. It will create a loving community. Look for ways to spend time with each other. Look for ways to get to know each other. Home groups or community groups will start again. Um, exercise is a great way. Reading something. Find, find ways to connect with people. And the last, and I'll, and I'll be even brief on this again, the call to follow Christ will lead you to look for others. Think about people in your life that don't know Christ. And make that a, a part of your prayer life. We all have people that we love and that we know that aren't walking with Christ. And it's important to have a compassionate heart, an understanding heart, and to know that we have a vision and a purpose to love people. One of the things that's happened to, uh, to me over the years of meeting on this property is, uh, just to give you an example of how this is working out in my life, over the years of uh, meeting here on this property, I've had many times people come to me and say, hey, I, I want to use the property, and I want to do something like for seven nights in a row of just like worship and fun. And I'm like, you know what? I, I, I agree, and I, I like that too. But what drives me more than that, at least right now where we are, is our neighbors. That, that we love our neighbors. And I encourage you, I'll, I'll go over there with you, Judy's right there. She's been a, a sweet neighbor for us for a long time. Neighbors right here, Russell. Is that even on our radar? To, to know and care about them. And what happens is that the church, let me just use that word on a, an American national stage now. The American church is a machine of hundreds of millions of dollars. It's just a machine. If you don't know that, just, you just have to like open your eyes to the national. It's a machine. Just ridiculous amounts of money. And, and 
my vision for us is, listen, we have to just understand what the gospel says. We are called to simply love our neighbors. We're not called to be famous. We're not called to be the next cool thing. We're called to live in Christ with community for others. That's what we are to be about. That is what it means to be a church. And it starts with where you live. It starts with your neighbors. Do you know them? Do you know their names? It's hard. We live in a time when people aren't as neighborly maybe as they once were. People are skeptical. People are hesitant. I'll never forget when I, we first moved to Washington State, 1979, our next-door neighbors came over, this older woman, and she gave my mom this big slab of halibut. And my mom was like, what is that? I mean, she didn't say that, but she's like, I don't know what to do with it. My mom's like a Southern California girl, didn't, didn't you know, buy their food at the, the grocery store only. It was the most sweetest neighborly thing, and she came in, and she, my mom was like, I don't know what to do with this. And she's like, that's okay, I'm going to show you. Do you know your neighbors? Do you, do you, do you, are you so busy with the wrong priorities of your life that you aren't living in Christ, that you don't even know people in our own church, that you don't know your own neighbors? Jesus gives us a new identity, a new purpose. And I, I just believe that as we start the year again, 2018, that it's important that we understand who we are as believers, that we understand what does it mean to be a part of a church? What does it mean to understand that there's a mission and a purpose for us? Let's pray together. Father, I pray for a powerful work of your Holy Spirit in our lives to live lives with the right priorities, to live in you, to know what it means to live in Christ, that you are the one who forms our identity, forms our understanding of who we are before you. Father, I pray that you would press deep into our hearts the words, follow me, that your son spoke. Pray that we would not be in such a rush, in such a hurry, that we avoid thinking about such things. Father, I pray you'd slow our hearts down, slow our minds down, and think carefully about what it means to be a follower of you. Father, I pray that you would grow our love for each other here at this church. Give us patience. Give us understanding. Give us a heart that is willing to take time to get to know people. Grow within us a love for our neighbors as well. I pray that as we conclude in worship that we would sing unto you as people who live live lives found in your Son, Jesus Christ. We're so thankful that you renew us every day with your grace. We ask these things in your name. Amen.